0: Welcome to the Connect Church podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Good morning. Let's go ahead and begin in Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to start in verse 1 in just a moment. Uh, we 've been talking about being empowered and all of the we 're going to be looking at all of the different ways that the Holy Spirit empowers the believer uh, to be on mission for jesus christ and uh, and so today we 're going to be looking at how the Holy Spirit empowers us to actually follow Jesus and how to uh, how to uh performed the ministry and the mission of Jesus Christ and so obviously Jesus is God he became a man he lived without sin he went to the cross he died in our place as a uh, as a substitute for us as our savior he was buried on 3 days later he rose from the grave and uh, that Uh, tells us that he conquered Satan, he conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered the wrath of God because the wrath of God still abides upon the heads of those who are apart from God. And so Jesus brought us, reconciled us back into a right relationship with the Father for those who trust in Jesus Christ. So for those who do not trust in Jesus Christ, Scripture says that the wrath of God still abides upon them. Well, so then Jesus, after he resurrected uh, he gave uh, everything that he had accomplished through his death and resurrection. He gave it to us, and he uh, he continues to impart that to us. He gave us his relationship to the Father. He gave us his obedience. He gave us, in fact, he gave us his name, his identity. And today we're talking about him giving us the Holy Spirit of God, the the pathway to have empowerment by the Holy Spirit of God. So Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to his disciples. For some forty days, uh, evidencing his uh, resurrection, Paul told the church of uh, Corinthians in many, many proofs, and he was teaching them the kingdom. And I'm really anxious to get into a series where we begin to study the kingdom of God through the lens of Jesus Christ as he imparts that to his uh, first followers there. Well, so as he's teaching them the kingdom, he's giving them the mission. All of this has been a recap so far, but he tells them this, and I paraphrase. He says, you cannot be obedient to the teachings, to the commands, to the mission or the model of Jesus without the same empowerment that Jesus had. So do not go out and start your ministry yet because you're going to need to wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And what he is implying here is that our good intentions, yes, we are grateful for forgiveness. We are grateful for uh, a a new life in Christ. And and we want to see the world saved and get the world to know the truth that is available to them as well. But our good intentions do not last long, as we well know. And so good intentions uh, only will take you so far. And so you're going to need to wait for a deeper, more powerful empowerment. In Acts 1, verse 8, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and He will come with power so that you can be uh, empowered to be witnesses to the uttermost, from where you are to the uttermost parts of the world. Then Jesus ascended back into heaven, and it tells us in the end of Acts chapter 1 that for 10 days, we looked at this last week, they prayed, they studied the scriptures, they prepared their leadership, and they prepared themselves for the empowering that is to come. So now we are in Acts chapter 2. We see Jesus' promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit coming to fruition. And so this is very important. Remember, just as the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus, you remember the dove that comes down at Jesus' baptism? Uh, And this was an anointing. This was an appointing. This was an identification publicly for people to to pay attention to who Jesus was and what Jesus was about to do. Uh, In that exact same way, now in the very first church, as Jesus tells them to wait on the Holy Spirit, here we have the Holy Spirit descending again, and He is anointing, and He is appointing, and He is calling attention to these first disciples because Jesus' baptism launched His ministry, and here the descending of the Holy Spirit is launching the ministry of these first disciples. So let's read together in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, we'll read just a couple of first verses there, and it's where we learn that the, the Holy Spirit empowers Christians for ministry. And by the way, ministry, according to Acts chapter 2, isn't an option. And I don't mean that it, it's not an option for us to do ministry, it's that He doesn't give us ministry as an option. It is a command, it is a clear purpose for every Christian. It is to be intentional. It is an expectation of Jesus Christ. In fact, it it is the point of your salvation is for you to have the Holy Spirit and to begin to do the works of Jesus Christ in this world. You are a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. So, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Again, Pentecost, this was a... A Sunday, they were all together in one place. And so it's a church meeting that Acts is going to tell us in a little while. Luke's going to tell us through Acts. is about 120 people meeting together, all of them together. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like... okay, a, a It wasn't it. It was like it. Like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, they knew it wasn't a wind. It was like a wind. And divided tongues as of fire, notice that again, it's not fire, it's like fire, it's as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each of them. Now, I want you to know it says divided tongues, and some sometimes this in some translations would say cloven tongues, because the word divided, just like a cloven hoof, a divided a divided hoof. Uh, But what this word actually means, it's a a term that butchers would use. So you have one piece of meat and then you would divide it up uh, into portions and uh, give those portions out. And so that's the same word that Luke uses here is that the tongues uh, that were given to these disciples were all divided out from one tongue. And so we know that this is the Holy Spirit of God that is descending upon man, and out of the Holy Spirit, He divides Himself out into each one as He sees fit, which is very consistent with what He's going to do later when we talk about the giftings of the Holy Spirit. and He gives them as He wills, as He wants to. He chooses. Of course, we, we, uh, there is only one Spirit, one Spirit, But he gives himself out to each one of us. Each one of us has the Holy Spirit of God. And I love the idea of each one of us having a part of the Holy Spirit so that when we come together, this is why we sense oneness. And we can sense one person's spirit bearing witness to another person's spirit because when we are together and we agree, uh, the Holy Spirit uh, is not more powerful than he is in any one of us. But there certainly is this kindred because we are one spirit and he makes them one and he is still making us one. So the timing of this event is Pentecost. This is a a Jewish holiday. And before this particular holiday, Pentecost, there was the previous holiday, which was Passover, which we've been talking about since since Easter. Uh, you know Passover celebrated uh, god's deliverance of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, they were caught in slavery there for four hundred plus years and and God is delivering them and You remember they had to kill the lamb and 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 they had to put the blood over the doorpost and and the, the firstborn of every home that did not have blood over the doorpost uh their their firstborn was uh was killed by the the death angel and uh and so celebrating that perpetually from generation to generation from there on. But there was another feast day that was set up uh, that was the next in chronological order for them. And that was the uh, the Feast of Shavuot. Uh, It was one of the three primary feast days for them. So where Passover celebrated the, the slain lamb and the forgiveness of God and the freedom that we have in God, Shavuot actually was a national holiday that celebrated very similarly to a thanksgiving for us. It's where they would get together, have a feast together as families and as friends, and they would celebrate the provisions and the care of God as God had provided for them. They were thankful for God's provision. And so this event always took place 50 days after Passover. And so in fact, that's where the word Pentecost gets its name, pente, meaning 50, Pentecost. So Pentecost is not founded here Shavuot is a Hebrew word. Pentecost means exactly the same thing in Greek. And so it's a Greek word. It's the same holiday. And so Pentecost isn't a new thing for them, but it's about to take on an entirely new meaning. But I want us to think there for just a moment because you think about being thankful for God's sacrificial Lamb, Jesus Christ... Uh, who has paid the price for us and freed us, not from Egypt, but certainly from slavery to sin. And He has promised us a promised land for those who walk with Him out of slavery. Beautiful picture of what God is doing. And then we get to celebrate Thanksgiving because even in the wilderness, God provides for us and He cares for us and He is near to us. And so we draw close to Him through this Feast of Pentecost. But now this feast of Pentecost is not just thanking God for his provisions of food and clothing. This Pentecost is celebrating God's provision of himself to us. You talk about a special kind of empowerment. When when I hear people pray over food and sometimes even myself when we're thankful for our meal and we pray we say, "Lord, please bless this food and give uh, our bodies nourishment through it." Right? Give us strength through the food that we're about to eat. And now I think of Pentecost and how this holiday takes on a whole new meaning when we say, Lord, I receive your provision of the Holy Spirit and may it give me the strength to do the ministry of Jesus Christ in this world. The next time that you pray and you look down at your food and you're asking God to bless it, I want you to think about your own life and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and how He empowers you. I think of the dove coming down and descending upon Jesus and resting upon Him. I think now of the Holy Spirit coming down upon us and resting on us. The disciples come to Jesus one day and they said... Uh, this was uh, at the uh, when Jesus had just led the woman at the well to His Father. And they had been getting lunch and they come back to Jesus and they say, Surely, you've you got to be starving. You've you got to be hungry. You should eat. And Jesus said, oh, I have food of which you don't understand yet. And uh, all of a sudden, this makes so much more sense because God's provision is more than bread. God's provision for the Christian is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This is why man does not live by bread alone, but by the Word of God. And, uh, and so let me just be an encouragement to, to you uh, over that. So now we're celebrating Jesus as the Lamb, and 50 days later they're celebrating God's provision, where He really is providing empowerment. So uh, let's uh, let's 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 move on here. Uh, they're they're joined together in Jerusalem. Jews from all over the world, proselytes, Gentiles who have converted to Judaism, make a trek during Shabbat or Pentecost every year to come and to celebrate this feast day together. So while they are waiting, they're thankful for one gift, but they're waiting for the ultimate gift. Uh, the ultimate gift is the Holy Spirit himself. And so when Scripture talks about the Holy Spirit's wind and the Holy Spirit's fire, we are to, to see the implications there of his uncontrollable by our standard, our means, uncontrollable power. Uh, You know, I think fire uh, is not always welcome, but it is most welcome when things are cold and dark. And I love that the Holy Spirit comes here as fire because certainly uh, the world was cold and the world was dark without the, the Holy Spirit. And it needed to be purified, and only Jesus can do that through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So there's a couple of things that I want to share with you quickly, and it might make sense if you later if you write them down, uh, a couple of things I want to just just give you. Number one, Jesus' mission. Now of all the things that Jesus could do right here on this day, Jesus' mission does not take us from the world, but he comes to join us in this world. I mean, you think if the goal of life was salvation, don't you think that as soon as we're saved, He would take us? That's not the way it works. As soon as we're saved, He comes to us to empower us in this world. I want you to think about that for a moment. He didn't just come to save you. He came so that you could offer salvation to others. He came that He might minister through you to the world around you. Number two, Jesus' mission did not take us out of the world, but it finally empowered us to take our proper place in it. Number three, Jesus' mission does not send us to a holy place to celebrate, like at a temple or some pilgrimage that we have to take. But instead, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to make us a holy place, a temple, a temple both as individuals and also as corporate believers, as God's people, as we assemble together. Number four, Jesus's mission requires, absolutely requires that we individually and corporately as a church be filled with the Holy Spirit. We cannot be what Jesus has made us to be, has called us to be, We can't do what Jesus has called us to do unless we are filled by the power and the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to understand that the Bible talks about us being baptized by the Holy Spirit or immersed by the Holy Spirit or into the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the the Bible uses the word indwelt by the Holy Spirit, means He inhabits us. He lives in us. That happens only one time at conversion when you become a Christian. The very moment that you profess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is God and that God raised Him from the dead, we are saved. And in that very moment, the Holy Spirit descends upon us, fills us. And that, that spiritual part of us that's been dead since Adam is resurrected, and we received the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and now we are alive spiritually, and we eat spiritual food, and we breathe spiritual air, and I am no longer alive, but Christ is alive in me. Now, this is very important because this happens one time in the life of a believer at confer- for conversion, at regeneration. And so Ephesians 1 talks about us being sealed that too is a single uh, action. It happens at conversion. A one-time event. But now you're going to read it here in Acts chapter 2 and on through the book of Acts and you're going to see it again in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and there's m- multiple other places where uh, the Scripture talks about believers being filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Now there's only one indwelling of the Spirit, but we need to diligently, intentionally work to be filled by the Holy Spirit. In fact, we are never commanded to be indwelt by the Spirit. That is a byproduct of our relationship with Jesus Christ. But we are commanded to be filled by the Spirit which means that's something that we can neglect to do. And so... I want you to, most people think that this happens, this feeling of the Holy Spirit is something where the Holy Spirit takes complete control of us and we really don't have anything to do. We pray, Lord, I want to be filled by your Spirit as if something is happening upon us again. Well, the thing that happens upon us happens at salvation. God has called us to be filled by the Spirit, which is an act of our will. It's an act of lining our will up with the will of the Holy Spirit. What is the will of the Holy Spirit? To testify to the glory of Jesus Christ. What is the the witness of Jesus Christ? To testify to the glory of God the Father. And so when my will lines up with the will of the Spirit that is always lined up with the will of the Son, all of a sudden I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And I will begin to think... uh, uh, with Jesus' will in mind, and I'll be able to process that way. I'll begin to emote that way, and I'll begin to see with His eyes this is a byproduct of being filled by the Spirit. And yes, Christians can be indwelt by the Spirit, but empty of the Spirit. Yeah, I mean, He's there. He lives in us. He's, a, he, he's resurrected our spirit, but, but not walking with Him, not walking in the Spirit. Not living in the Spirit, not being filled by the Spirit. The being filled by the Spirit is an ongoing command in Scripture. It's a a place we need to we need to get ourselves to to be filled by the Spirit. Once we are under the Spirit's control, we are surrendering to His will for our life, and we're willing to embrace awkward and uncomfortable we're willing to say yes before we know what He wants us to do, He will empower us to be able to do everything. We, in our flesh, our primary emotion is fear. And so when we are afraid, we may not act in the Spirit. But if we will be filled by the Spirit, the feeling of the Spirit will override that fear and help us embrace the mission of Jesus instead of the mission of blame. It's the most significant breakthrough that any Christian can experience after they are indwelt by the Spirit. So it happens, the filling of the Holy Spirit happens with our obedience and our surrender. Now, with that being said, we're going to go back now and look at what happens as they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, And by the way, Uh, I know this may sound pretty elementary now that we've been talking about this so long, but Christians uh, are not empowered without the Holy Spirit. There is no mechanism of empowerment, of spiritual empowerment, apart from the Holy Spirit. Uh, you You can't be what Jesus has called us to be without being filled by the Spirit, lined up with His will. It doesn't work. There's no amount of Bible education that can override a lack of being Spirit-filled. Secondly, we learned that the Holy Spirit overcomes barriers to the gospel. Let's look at verse 4. And they were all what? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So here is a feeling that we were talking about. Here's a moment of feeling. And they begin to speak. The first thing that happens is they begin to speak in other tongues. That word in other means different from their normal one. right? Different from their normal one. And And as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this wasn't something they were in control of. The feeling after they were filled, it wasn't something they were in control of. The Spirit gave them utterance. Each one of them has a portion of the Spirit, remember. Verse 5, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews dwelling. It's just temporary. Remember, this is holiday season for them. But they were there, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, that mighty rushing wind we were talking about, the multitude came together. I mean, it's almost like this mighty rushing wind wasn't for the believers. They were already assembled together waiting. This mighty rushing wind sound was a siren beckoning the attention of the outside world. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing. That Greek word, by the way, is akouo, which is where we get our word acoustics. They were hearing them speak in his own language. The word language is dialectos, which is where we get our word dialect. I want you to circle that word in your Bible, language. Each one was hearing them speak in their own language. Language. Now, there's two miracles going on here. Two miracles going on simultaneously. One of them is often overlooked. There is the miracle of the speaking, but there is the miracle of the hearing. The miracle of the speaking comes first. The miracle of the hearing and understanding comes second. So these Spirit-filled Christians, those that are filled with the Spirit, could do a miraculous work of the Spirit. Immediately, the first thing they do is a miraculous work. Those who were not filled had a miraculous work done upon them. Now I want you to listen to this because I think this is very practical application for our, our, our time. Those who were Spirit-filled could do things that they could not do on their own. And those that they didn't think could get it were able to hear it and understand it, and that was a ministry of the Holy Spirit as well. How many times have we said, I'm not going to share my faith with those people because it's too difficult, it's too tricky, it's, they, they would never understand it, they're too far away, whatever the case may be. But we miss the opportunity that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in unbelievers too. He's making some to be sensitive. He's making some to be able to hear, waiting for those who are indwelt to speak. It doesn't have to be a tongue that you don't know. Being able to speak the oracles of God, to be able to speak the truth of Jesus Christ that He would allow us to share in that ministry of reconciliation is a miracle in and of itself if you knew anything about me. How often I have kept silent because I'm processing the Christian life without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, without the feeling of the Holy Spirit. So we are commanded to impart the words and speak, and unless we do, the world will not be able to hear. Without our obedience in speaking, the lost world can't have the opportunity to hear. Look at verse 7. And they were amazed. This is the unbelieving world here. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Livia, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does it mean? But others, mocking, said they were filled with new wine, or they were drunk. Now the Galileans, which most of the disciples at that time were, they were very rural folk. They were country. Uh, They were uneducated they were fishermen, they were farmers, they were much more blue collar than the rest of the city folk. And they are saying, how is it that we hear? That's a great question. In fact, that's a great first question. How is it that we can hear each of us in his own native language? Now, there are at least three barriers that we're going to talk about today. But you know, I've, I've tried to think about this on and off for a while. I can think of three primary barriers that we experience today that they experienced then to get the Word out. The first barrier is location. The second barrier is language. And the third barrier is willingness. So there's three barriers to evangelism. Let's talk about location first. So the Holy Spirit, for 4,000 years... Uh, this is the time of creation up to up to Pentecost. Here uh, could have come at any period of time. Uh, it's not like we didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. We didn't know, uh, you know, that God was uh, uh, in in perfect union uh, as the Godhead. Of course, we did. Genesis chapter one verse one. Uh, begins to talk about that in uh, the original language. The Jews knew this. They'd already believed this. God was one, but worked in three in three persons uh, in, the, in the Trinity. And so it's interesting to me that the Holy Spirit, in order for us to have qualification to receive the Holy Spirit, we have to first be right with the Father. It's necessary for the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ to qualify us for that. So now that we qualify and we have the righteousness of Christ imputed to us, we now have the vessel to receive the working, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But this isn't enough. God waits for 40 days, 50 days for all of the nations around Jerusalem to converge in one place, to be able to hear the message once and for all. And they don't all speak the same language. There are 14 languages that are walking around Jerusalem uh, during Pentecost. But, But the Holy Spirit waits until the perfect moment where location isn't an issue. Now you think about how long it's going to take these 120 or however many of them go out as missionaries to reach those 14 nations. And so to start... God, Jesus told the disciples, I want you to go eventually to the uttermost parts of the world. And then he brought the uttermost parts of the world to them to help them get started. And all of these languages, all of these people groups, all of these countries represented in Jerusalem are hearing the gospel for the very first time and they're saying yes. Now what's going to happen when the holiday is over? These newly converted Christians who have now received the Holy Spirit, been empowered by the Holy Spirit, are going to take the message and the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ back into 14 different countries. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit can overcome location problems, and He does. And He still calls people to us, and He still calls us to people. We need to be constantly strategizing for the kingdom's sake. Me, we, us. We need to learn to share our faith. We need to learn how to practice sharing our faith and having gospel-empowered conversations with people. I don't think we do this because we have to or because Jesus commanded us to. I mean, He did. We are obligated to do it. It is the ministry of Jesus Christ. But listen, people are broken. They are desperate. Just because they look put together in their yard or because they look put together at work doesn't mean they're not asking questions. They're broken. Their marriages are broken. Their finances are broken. Their children are broken. Their, their questions are broken. Their past is broken. And as of right now, their futures are broken. And we as the people of God understand that brokenness because we have been separated from it. We've come through it. We remember it. It is our mission to speak into the brokenness of the world all around us. Not because we have to be evangelists or because we have to share our faith because Jesus told us to, but because we love people. We love broken people because we can see the hope that Jesus Christ has for broken people. And we need to be spending time in prayer strategizing with the Holy Spirit of how He would use us and say yes to every conversation because when we are willing to say yes before the conversation starts we begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instead of having the fear, which keeps us silent, we can have boldness and confidence to be able to speak the truth that the Holy Spirit is giving to us. Listen, God saved me to empower me. God saved me to empower me to continue His mission. Now, let me just stop for a moment and say this. If we spend, and I I want you to listen to me very, very closely. Uh, Those of you who don't know me very well, you know, if this is confusing, I want you to reach out to me because I don't want to be misunderstood here. If we spend all of our time focused only on Jesus' words, then we're going to live informed and educated. We're going to be great at Bible trivia, but we will remain inactive. And when we remain inactive with sharing the gospel, we begin to be paralyzed, and we begin to feel guilty. What do we do when we feel guilty? We just, to, to salve our conscience, we spend more time in His Word. And spending time in His Word is not the end. So let me say it this way. We need to be spending time not just with Jesus' words, but we need to spend time with Jesus Himself. Then we will constantly be able to remember our identity and not only be informed of Jesus' words, but be empowered by Jesus' Spirit. So remember, God saves us to empower us. He saved us for ministry, not an education. Now, we don't need to stop at just knowing our faith, and we do need to know our faith. There's lots of benefit that come from memorizing Scripture and knowing Scripture, but it's the practicing of Scripture where the empowerment really takes off. Let me ask you this. What do the disciples know today on Pentecost that they didn't know 10 days ago when Jesus said, wait? They've not learned anything new about Jesus in these last 10 days. But here's what is different. They're out now. They're practicing their faith. The Spirit's timing was perfect, of course. And He broke the barrier of getting the good news to the Middle East in a single swoop. Of course, He is good. But the difference is the disciples begin to step out of the upper room and into ministry by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We're not waiting on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We already have it. So what does it look like for us to do that? Where where should you be practicing your faith, not your information, your faith? Listen, God is bringing people into your life, right? I mean, you, you see people. You can have conversations with people. Where are you practicing? Uh, Who do do we all, most of us have? Families, neighbors, co-workers, friends? Uh, We we have people in our life that we can be practicing with. And I'm not talking about practicing with a, a believing spouse and just going through the motions. I'm talking about... So think about this. What what I often hear from people when they talk about sharing their faith with family is, oh, family's the hardest. You know, family is really, it's almost impossible to reach your own family with the gospel. It's just too hard. So what do we do? We ask somebody else or we you know settle for praying for them we don't want to have the hard conversations because we have to see them at holidays and reunions and sometimes at grandparents house we have to see them i don't want to embarrass myself to the family they may ask a question or or they know my past you know they know my past and so they're going to bring my past up i don't want to have to deal with that and so we come up with excuses and with our neighbors well i don't really know them that well or my neighbors are really weird and i don't want to talk to them and so We talk to them about our yards and our flowers, and we talk to them about food, and we talk to them about weather, and we talk to them about property lines, but they're just too weird. After all, I have to see them in my yard. How do you you go from a conversation about Jesus to just waving from a lawnmower again? So we check the neighbors off. I don't really want to talk to them about my faith. And what about the people at work? Well, we're really not allowed to talk about faith at work. And so check that one off the list. So Who are we practicing with? We have excuses for everyone that God is bringing into our life. I can't help but think of the international population that the Lord brings to us every year through Arkansas Tech. I think about leveraging some empowerment to try to reach the nations there while we're trying to reach the nations through missionaries. We ought to be strategizing opportunities to see these young people move from being informed to loved, to empowered, to sent. How can we change our communities? Ask ourselves this. Right now, we're sitting at home. We have a little extra time, maybe. I don't know. I don't, don't know where everybody's talking about extra time, but uh, we need to be thinking. This should be the primary thought that we're having is how do we see our communities changed to look more like the kingdom of God? How can we see our city changed as individuals? How can my family look more like the? How can my home look more like the kingdom of God? Now listen to this. We can change nations from Connect Church. We can change nations from here. In fact, God calls us to and then He empowers us to. If we'll speak, some will be provoked to understand. Now this passage redeems another passage uh, earlier in Scripture. And I'm going to take a hard shift here as we start wrapping everything up. The first ten chapters of the Bible... Everyone spoke the same language. And that one language united them together to overthrow God out of their life. In fact, one language said, we will be God and we will build a a tower to the sky. This is the Tower of Babel. I know you've heard of it in Genesis chapter 11. This is where they decided we don't need God anymore. We don't need God's kingdom. We don't need a relationship with Him. We can be our own kingdom. In fact, we'll build ourselves a tower so that we can sit on top of it like God and we can rule as God. Now, their vision was a global government and they were well on their way. And what did God do? Because of a warning to them and because He loved them too much to allow them to overthrow themselves. What did God do? God divided their language. He separated. He gave them multiple, multiple languages. This is where languages of the earth were uh, initiated. So you have when, when men speak one language apart from God, it creates chaos. And so from then on, for 4,000 years, men spoke multiple languages. And here, now that the Holy Spirit has come, we see that God is actually undoing that. And now that His kingdom is here and men are again filled with the Holy Spirit of God as Adam was before the fall, it's so so empowering to be able to think about this. What does God do when we're speaking multiple languages in the kingdom of God? He brings them down and puts us together in one, redeeming it. When man tried to unite for himself at Babel, God divided them by language. But now that man was trying, if you remember just 40 days ago or 50 days ago, the disciples were trying to secure themselves off by themselves because they had a language nobody else could speak, the, the language of the kingdom. Now they're trying to separate themselves off into one language. He's giving them the opportunity to bridge the languages. So the Holy Spirit bridges location barriers. The Holy Spirit bridges language barriers. Here in Acts chapter 2, we see that the way that we overcome the language barrier, the national barrier, the cultural barrier, is by coming around Jesus Christ. It's the language of love. Nations are not justified around multiculturalism or some vague commitment to peace or to mutual understanding. That's what it's going to get with the Antichrist. But with Christ himself, it is the language of love by the power of the Holy Spirit. It also foreshadows, not only is it hearkened back to Babel, but it foreshadows Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. I'm going to read it. After this, I looked, and behold, a a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I want you to notice that Jesus Christ, here He is as the Lamb of God, Sitting in the center, and he is on the throne. There is no location barrier, and there is no language barrier. So, what Acts chapter 2 is teaching us is that the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, has dealt with the sin problem, and this unity, and this reconciliation, and this supernatural love between people is ultimately going to go on in eternity without end. So, let's practice. So that as many people as we can uh, minister to and that will listen will also make it into eternity with our Father. Will it be awkward for a moment? Yeah, it'll be awkward for a moment. But it'll be worth it because we'll be working in the empowering of the Spirit. We are, listen, we are empowered for an empowering. And as he closes by telling us what happened when the Holy Spirit showed up. They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And others were mocking and saying, well, they're drunk. That brings us to the third barrier to the gospel, and that's willingness. Some are going to see what the Holy Spirit is doing, and they're going to warmly welcome it. Others are going to see what the Holy Spirit is doing, and they're going to reject it. Some are going to hear the call, the command of Jesus Christ to spread the gospel through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and they're going to warmly receive it. And they're going to embrace the awkward and the uncomfortable and the ill-equipped, and they're going to start practicing. Others are going to hear that call, and they're going to do what they've done time and time again when they've heard it, and that is set back and just settle with knowing more. It really comes down to willingness, doesn't it? It comes down as, I am I really going to trust that the Holy Spirit can use me to make a kingdom impact for Jesus Christ? And as, as I say yes to that, yes, Lord, I will be used. I will let you use my mouth. I will let you use my, my heart, and I will let you use my eyes. Yes, I will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then it is the willingness of those that we share. Not everyone will believe us. Not everyone will trust. Not everyone wants it. It comes down to willingness. God has empowered you, though, to get the message out. Today, if you're listening and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, there is no empowering apart from a relationship with Him. So if you'd like to talk about how you can have a relationship with Christ or restore a relationship with Christ, why don't you you either message me privately uh, or... Or you message me on our church page here where you're at already, or you can go to my personal page, and I would love to walk that out with you. Maybe you are walking with Jesus Christ, but you're not living empowered by the Holy Spirit. You're not practicing your faith. Listen, don't get hung up on we're, a couple of uh, maybe maybe it was last summer we did a, a study on what does the Bible say about speaking in tongues. If you would like to go back and listen to that, this passage of Scripture isn't about tongue speaking. It's about the Holy Spirit empowering us over obstacles of all kinds. It's about the Holy Spirit willing to do whatever it takes to get the message of Jesus Christ into the hands of those who have not accepted Him yet. And So, Christian, if you're walking with Jesus but not walking empowered, reach out. Let's pray about that. Let's walk that out together. Maybe you have some prayer need that you would like to pray with someone over. I would love to pray with you. So um, I hope that you're continuing to seek the Lord and study His Word. And I I hope that you're finding opportunities to practice the mission of Jesus Christ in your daily life. I can't wait until we can do that again corporately. But until then, I love you. I'm praying for you. If we can be a ministry of any kind to you or your family, let us know. And and we're very, very glad to, uh, to to serve. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that we have in Jesus Christ. We're so grateful for our comforter, uh, the Holy Spirit, who, who brings confidence and courage into us. I pray, Lord, that that would be our defining attribute, would be boldness, courage, confidence as Christians. Not arrogance, but confidence in what you are able to do through willing vessels. So help us, Lord, to be willing. Help us to show us where we are weak so that we can bring those weaknesses to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.